0: Hey there, it's Preston here. And before we get started with today's show, I want to share a fun new opportunity with you. We're preparing to launch Freelance to Founder Shorts, five to 10 minute episodes addressing a singular specific question from one of you. If you've ever wanted to promote your business on our show, but don't have enough questions to fill a full episode, this is your chance. Just submit a question at freelance2founder.com slash ask, and we'll give your business a plug and include our best short answer answers to your question. As always we can't do this show without you. So visit freelance2founder.com/ask today and submit a question. You can send a text, record audio or make a quick video and it just takes a few minutes at freelance2founder.com/ask. We can't wait to hear from you and now on to the show. Hey, everyone. I'm Preston Lee. And I'm Clay Mosley. And this is Freelance to Founder. Every week, we sit down with freelancers like you for actionable coaching calls with one mission. To help you ditch the feast-famine lifestyle and build your own sustainable business. At one point, we were both brand new freelancers, barely making ends meet. But by now, we've started, grown, and even sold a few businesses of our own. And we want to help you do the same. If you're ready to go from freelance to founder, then join the army of freelancers who are taking matters into their own hands.
1: Visit FreelanceToFounder.com to apply for your own on-air coaching call. And now, get ready to take some notes because an all-new episode of Freelance to Founder starts right now.
0: On today's show, maybe you've heard expert advice saying you should hire a VA, a virtual assistant. You might have even heard that advice from us on this show. But what exactly should you hire a VA for? And is hiring a VA really worth the money? Those are two questions we explore on our coaching call with Ben Marcoux, who lives in Rhode Island, USA. Ben found himself wondering why in the world he would want to hire a VA in the first place. And then after taking the leap, he wishes he had done it years ago. Plus, Clay and I share our best advice for making the most of your virtual assistant and we talk about scaling your business versus growing it. All of that when we get back after this quick break. Restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Freelance to Founder. My name is Preston Lee with Milo.co, and joining me on the air is my friend Clay Mosley from getdrippify.com. Hey, Clay,
1: what's going on? I'm happy to be here.
0: Yeah, excited to have you. And speaking of Dripify, man, uh, I feel like I saw on social media the other day or somewhere, maybe in a text I got from you or something, that you guys are what is it? You announced something. Was it a text? Uh, I'm gonna pull it up. It's right here. Shameless promo. You said Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, Dripify Pro. You want to learn how to build your entire marketing machine where you get inbound leads. This is it. It's only 59 bucks a month. Why don't you tell people yeah. where they can find it? I'm I'm doing a shameless plug for you on the podcast.
1: Oh, I appreciate that. This is totally <laughs> unexpected. <laughs>
0: uh so like quick pitch on it is uh I have
1: this, I have this like course called 90 Day Marketing Machine, where it's like you can create your entire marketing system in 90 days, but that's like that's like my signature course. Um, and you can go at your own pace so i but i I created a dripify pro which is only fifty nine dollars a month <clears throat> and you i I teach everybody all the things in my signature course but it's not at, it's not at their own pace it's i go over uh, i i teach different strategies different topics on a weekly live zoom and it's literally step by step how to do things I give away all the agency secrets of marketing and and people can just learn. Uh, and it's super affordable, $59. And uh, and people can go to gettripify.com slash pro.
0: Love it, man. So go ahead and check that out. Uh, there is like no one better you can learn from in terms of uh, you know doing the marketing and, and the growth and the lead generation for your business as you scale it. So check out uh, Clay's new offering there. And joining us on the air also uh, is our new friend, Ben Marcou, calling from Rhode Island. Hey, Ben.
2: Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Really appreciate
0: the opportunity. Hey, we're excited to have you. I was going to make some joke about Rhode Island being the smallest state and Texas being the largest, but Texas isn't the largest state, is it? I mean, a lot of people in Texas probably think it is, uh, but it's not. Um, this anyway. Is,
1: this is the best state. <laughs>
0: that's right. The best state. Well, that's, that is definitely <laughs> undisputed, yeah. <laughs> but Ben, thanks, thanks for taking time to call in today. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your business?
2: Yeah, sure. So I've got um, my main business, which I do um, freelance uh, copywriting, freelance media buying, as well as strategy and building marketing systems for clients. So it's a lot of data. It's a lot of paid media. It's also the creative side of things like writing the ads and working a lot with um, creative teams and video editors and copywriters and designers and stuff to really try to mathematically improve and make your success as a business owner inevitable, right? So that's like my quote unquote day job. And then what I've been able to do recently as of late is uh, I've kind of reached the point now where I'm, I'm thinking, okay, I think it's time for me to start sharing and starting to give back some of this. So I'm now on the the content train, trying to share what I can on podcasts and really just try to help people and Show them a kind of fun, contrarian approach that's helped me build a, a really great business. Yeah, I love that. Why don't you tell people
0: where they can find you? I, I've been trying to give our guests a, a chance to shout out at the beginning of the show.
2: Oh, great. Thanks so much. Well, yeah. the, uh, the best place that we can stay in touch is if you go to thebencommandments.com, you will <laughs> end up on an opt-in page where uh, it doesn't say it on that page, but just shoot me an email. Nice. So the automated email you get and uh, and I'll make sure that you get some special goodies if you tell me that you uh, that you heard me on the show. So oh, that's cool. the best place to go is the bencommandments.com. And it's awesome. It's, it's we'll, cheap, it's funny, pretty easy to remember. <laughs> Love yeah, it. very easy to remember.
0: Uh, we'll be sure to link it up in the show notes as well. In case you can't remember, you know, don't stop, don't stop driving and look down to write it down or anything. <laughs> no, uh, definitely not. <laughs> but we'll definitely be sure to link that in the show description. Ben, uh, tell us Tell us what kinds of, of
2: clients you primarily work with.
0: What, who are your biggest clients?
2: Absolutely. So right now, my main client is um, in the golf space called Performance Golf. Hmm. They're one of the biggest direct response, if not the biggest, direct response golf company that sells information products. Um, I also work with other sorts of uh, info product-type sellers. They're typically, you, know, selling sort of information products, digital information products. And um, I've got a background, really, though, working with a, a, a wide variety of clients. I've worked with a lot of coaches and consultants. I've worked with, um, again, golf is my main bag. I also have a background in jazz saxophone performance and have been lucky. That's what my degree in school was, which is obviously why I ended up starting my own business. <laughs> um, there you go. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I've, I've got a, an awesome client in the music space as well. And uh, yeah, so that's really it. It's it's mainly at this point, though, um, info publishers.
0: Yeah, okay. Really interesting. So, uh, you know, listeners of the show know that when we have guests like Ben on, and we'd love to have you come on the show as well. If a coaching call sounds interesting to you, we'd love to give you our best advice for, you know, 30 or 45 minutes. Uh, all that you have to do is visit freelance FreelanceToFounder.com, and then you scroll to the bottom of the page. Ben did this. He filled out a little questionnaire. And um, on the questionnaire, we say on a scale of one to ten, where would you put yourself? Uh, one being a freelancer, ten being a founder. Ben, you put that you're currently at a three, but then in the next year or so, you'd like to be more like a nine. So, could you walk us through what a nine maybe looks like? What what does your business look like
2: ideally a year from now? Yeah. So, ideally, what it looks like is I have got a team to handle all of the fulfillment, and I am strictly doing the uh, the strategy, as well as the super high-level important communication with clients. I actually don't want to build a big agency with a lot of moving parts or anything. I would much rather have, say, between 5 and 10 clients that are all you know super premium, high-ticket, at least $50,000 per month value per client, running very uh, select services. So I used to also be the yes-man, as I'm sure... Many early freelancers mm-hmm. start mm-hmm. off like, sure, I can do that. Then you frantically Google how to do whatever <laughs> it is you just said that you were going to do. Yeah. Um, I don't. I, I've actually been pretty good about that. Uh, so, so what does my business look like? Five to ten clients, each of them super premium, and I'm really only involved in the um, the uh, the funnel direction, like the big picture positioning, also the advertising systems and marketing systems there. And helping them produce a lot of creative, which is uh, the ads, the images and videos and copy Mm. that goes into ads. Because that's, in today's day and age, at least for an info publishing type business, the most important thing. Yeah, And uh, that's what I want it to really look like. Call I guess, a boutique agency, me and a a small team. Mm. Um, That's really what I'm going for. What does your team look like
0: right now? Do you have people on your team right now?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I actually finally, that's why I didn't give myself a one. Because as of about two (laughs) months ago, I hired a VA full-time. And it's one of those things, if anybody's listening, if I could do what I did again, I would make, before I even paid myself a penny out of my first client, I'm talking first client ever closed. If I could do it again, I would hire this VA seven years ago when I made my first money. I can't express that enough. Like. It's why is that? crazy. Why? It's crazy. Why and you then say I that? I've got a full time guy as well that helps me with um, some sales side of things as well as is just a, a kind of catch all for other things. But yeah, that VA. Oh my god, can't explain it enough. Tell do tell it.
0: the listeners <laughs> tell the listeners why uh, why you
2: wish you'd done it sooner. Well, because there's this crazy thing that happens when you hire a VA where you can show them how to do stuff. And then they, they do it. <laughs> and uh, I found a really great service. If you guys don't mind me giving the shout out, I have no affiliation with them. I was just absolutely blown away. It's called Prosolum, which is a terrible name, but an awesome, awesome service. I can't even tell you how to spell it. But if you look it up, Prosolum VAs, uh, they do all the vetting and stuff for you. So you essentially get someone who goes in, you record a Loom video They put a process doc together for any process you can picture in your business. And then after they complete the process doc and you approve it, they then take over that task. Mm, I love it. So it's been a really cool way for me to just be like, okay, what did I do today that I never want to do again? Press move and I'm never going to do that ad report again or I'm never uh, going to do whatever. Right.
1: Can you, can you, uh, just so, because like a lot of people, a lot of people, uh, they, they talk about Everybody talks about hiring a VA, um, but they don't know what to hire a VA for. For some reason, people have yeah. a lot of trouble coming up with things. So like, give people some examples of what you have VAs do for you.
2: Yeah, definitely. So the first thing I thought about was like, anytime I catch myself in a place where I'm like, wow, I never want to do this again, um, <laughs> yeah. that's what, usually where I start. <clears throat> now excuse me sorry what I what I what I try to do is I've always had a that's what makes it extra stupid and I think a lot of other people are the same way the creative types we also have a side of our brain that's like very system oriented right like we do processes and we're good at that stuff cuz we have nobody kind of hounding us we have to develop our own system mm-hmm. so like for example um let's say i'm doing ad fulfillment a piece of the ad fulfillment that's very very important was was daily ad reporting and I think like for a little while, I didn't feel comfortable getting rid of it, but I almost feel like a lot of people, and again, if I could go back and tell myself, I would tell myself, and I know this sounds weird, dude, you're not so special. Like There's very, very, very <laughs> few things you do that someone else couldn't do, and we need to find out what those are, and literally everything else, you need to figure out how to hand it off. Mm-hmm. That's you said great. that perfectly. That's like really what it came down to. And I can give you some examples, right? It's mainly reporting. It will be things like um, uh, any sort of repetitive task, like lead scraping or setting up um, spreadsheets or mm-hmm. exporting certain things or uploading content or keeping your you know CRM in track, like updating lead information. If you're a B2B salesperson, you obviously need an, in- an inflow of leads and you need to keep... St- status of like what's going on with them. So you can follow up accordingly, all that fun stuff that I'm sure Clay teaches immensely uh, better ways than I just said. But really, what I would do is think about it in that sort of like, how can I like remove my ego from the situation and find truly, I think it's Jeff Bezos who says he wants to make very few, very important decisions. And that's his job. And that's his leadership team's job. Yeah, and so when I started thinking that way, it was like, "Whoa, you're doing a bunch of stuff that that you need to <laughs> you let go of." You don't need to be doing, and that's yeah. really a key, I think, to to finally letting go and
0: being able to grow. Because you're right; so many of us hold on to these things that we do, thinking like, "Either I'm I'm the best person to do this; no one can do this as well as I can," or thinking like, "You know, it's not worth it to pay someone else to do this thing; I can knock it out in fifteen minutes." But the thing is, what I have found when I'm trying to identify. You know, what what would be good to pass off to someone else? If you find yourself sort of, you have to be really self-aware. You have to really pay attention to your internal dialogue. And when you find yourself kind of thinking to yourself, if I had more time, I would do this thing like, like here's this you know growth idea i have for my company but i can't do it because i'm so busy doing xyz the xyz is the part that you hand off to a va or to someone else that you hire so that you it's it's all opportunity cost every time you're doing all these things that that you just talked about ben like every time you're you're doing all these other tasks you're not doing those growth tasks those important tasks that really move your business forward Absolutely.
2: Yeah. And and then a fun story, just to kind of hammer this home for anyone who thinks that you're going to do things better than anyone, right? This is a top of mind because a couple of days ago, I had that VA complete a backdated report for a client going back three months, which was awesome to see that data just kind of fill in as mm. it happened. And then she sent me a message and goes, oh, by the way, I changed the year. Everything on the document still said 2021. <laughs> so like, obviously, I'm not that good. Yeah. Like I'm like, you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not special. Like I, am not clearly performing this at such a high level that it should not be off like on my plate yeah. anymore or whatever. Yeah. So when she hit that when she sent me that message on Slack, it, it was like a slap in the face. Like, man, how many other things have you made mistakes on? Because you were so <laughs> busy trying to do everything that, that you did something stupid like that. And it was a really powerful reinforcing reminder that yeah. I need to really lean into this and if she ends up full-time full full-time like too busy I'm gonna hire another one because I'm never going back it's one of those things like once you have a car you can't imagine life <laughs> without a car Kinda you know like it's
0: it's it's like a it's a feeling I totally didn't expect but I get a high off of it now when when stuff just gets done and I don't have to be involved, like. It, it, is, mm-hmm. it can be hard to let go of that in the beginning, right? But but now I have my team members, they'll say like, hey, I couldn't get a hold of you the other day, so I just went ahead with this and da-da-da-da-da. Did they do it exactly like I would have? No, but did they do it great? Yes. And and that's what really matters, right? And so it's just, it's a great feeling. I don't know, Clay, what kind of tasks do you uh, do you prefer to outsource to a VA or, or someone else on your team?
1: Um, You know, a big one for me is video editing. That, uh, that, yeah. you know,
0: that Absolutely. is, um, yeah. I mean, well, video links, editing. We do the same thing.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. just so labor intensive. It just totally. It just takes up so much time, and if you can find like, I know like editing is, especially video editing. Can you know you gotta find the right person that could do the certain style that you like. But like once you find that person, it's just like a big relief. It's mm-hmm. like you all you have to do is record and then yeah. boom, send it to them and it's yep. just going to be done. Um and so like that that's a big one. Another one for me is um the less sexy one is billing. Uh I oh, hate yeah. checking billing like just to make sure that like if a credit card gets expired or somebody's card didn't go through or whatever, like just checking that. Like I have so many transactions that happen a day. I I, I don't have time. If if I had to check that every single day, it would probably take me 30 minutes to an hour just daily to do and so I just I offload that yeah like that that's just and and that's an important one like if people aren't paying like how are you gonna get paid you know (laughs) yeah
0: yeah in just 20 minutes for an insane, effective home workout. That's because Hydro LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. I love it. Well, uh thanks for that little tangent you guys. I think I think that's high value stuff for listeners who are who either have a VA and they're sort of like, well, you know, this isn't really worth my money or my time to to train someone or or people who have been dragging their feet on it and they're like I I want to hire people but I don't really know what what to give them. So Great, uh, great segment there. I, I'd love to dive in, Ben, to your business a little bit more and, and talk about maybe some of the hurdles that you're facing as you try to scale your business. So, you know, you painted this picture for us, this ideal scenario where you have maybe a small team, you're a boutique agency, you have really high level clients, but not that many of them. And you're just sort of chugging along. What, what would you say is, is one of the biggest hurdles you're
2: facing as you try to get to that point over the next year? So the the biggest hurdle that I think uh, I'm finally seeing the light on, and it's probably not a co- not a coincidence that it happened right after I hired this person and kind of got my head out of my keister, um, is clarity. Right? Like, I, I think for a while I-, I was trying to build the business that I thought. That I thought I wanted or that I thought would impress people if I told them, oh, I've got this big team or I've got this or whatever, you know, whatever it might be, right? Things that that are Mm. status symbols to Mm -hmm. other entrepreneurs so that I can show off or whatever. And what I realized is that I don't actually want to do any of that stuff. (laughs) Um, I want I want it to be. uh, Yeah, like getting that clarity was really, really big. And then now that I've got the clarity. The thing standing in my way is, um, and actually, just again, it's one of those things. I think finally, uh, energetically, I, I allowed myself to be in a place where I could, where I could allow this myself to kind of see the opportunities in front of me. Is I love the VA and everything, but there is a certain level of, um, of uh, uh, like actual skill beyond I think what you could put in an SOP document involved in some aspects of media buying. Yeah. So. The thing holding me back was a fulfillment team of someone I could actually hand the ad creation and, uh, well, add de- ad deployment rather process yeah. to. And again, just one of those things. Like I think I finally settled myself down enough to be in a spot where I could listen and receive opportunities instead of just running around like a maniac. And I actually think I I've, I've found the, the team with some, uh, just a friend of a friend. I was working with him on another project. And uh, ended up him introducing me to this, to this guy who's got a team of 30 that are already trained, vetted, working with clients in a space that I actually have previous experience in. I forgot to mention earlier, I've run a ton of uh, lead generation for home professional services, uh, like solar and roofing and stuff. Mm-hmm. And this yeah. guy just happens to have a team of 30 that's trained on running campaigns, but he, wasn't, he doesn't know how to sell full stack marketing and, and uh, advertising like I do. So it was like a very cool synergy that that we're in the process of putting together that'll handle that part of the business. And then the other challenge that I'm having now is because I've never done this before. So I would be really, this is something I'd love advice from you guys on is I'm at the point now where uh, my one-on-one work, I think I'm just about maxed out in terms of capacity. Um, I know there's everything where someone says, you know, raise your rates, raise your rates. And like, yeah, sure. Like I'm good at that. I do that every time. I get a new project, but still it's just a time thing. And like raising your rates a little bit is not going to be an exponential play, right? It'll be like, a, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it'll be a little, you'll make more money, but it's not like that exponential leverage sort of play. So my question for you guys is, do you have any criteria or characteristics that you're looking for when you're trying to vet opportunities that are more like high risk, high reward? Like for example, maybe taking equity positioning in a business like for consulting or or service providing, but instead of a fee, you get an equity play or a royalty agreement or a, a, a profit share or something? Like, do you guys have any criteria or characteristics that you look for when vetting those more sort of, again, high risk, high reward, but potentially very leveraged opportunities?
1: So I think we're talking about, we're talking about scale versus growth here, right? So uh, when you, when when people are saying you know like raise your fees like to me that's that's growth um, that's not scale. So you're talking about scale because so like for people listening, there is a difference between growth and scale. I think I talked, Preston. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think we talked about growth versus scale on an episode. Um,
0: but I don't I think know. If, I, I think give us the give us the minute or two recap because I, I'm yeah. not sure we have
1: it's not if i did it's literally one episode um so the difference between growth and scale is growth is you it, it, and i'm bringing this up cuz a lot of people they use these terms like interchangeably like it's,
0: that's true it, i totally do like i know the yeah. difference and i and i all the time use them interchangeably
1: yeah and so the difference is is that growth you do the things uh within your business it's more it's more active things Versus like passive things, but you do the things where like you can do things in your business, but it does not increase your. It increases revenue, but it doesn't increase your uh, profit. Or, or sorry, it doesn't increase your profit margin. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. So, so you can a perfect example of, of growth is you can add on a product or service, but. Uh, and, and you can and you can cross sell that, you can upsell that, or you can sell it to new new audiences, whatever. Um, and it increases revenue, but it also increases your costs. So right. the 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 two the, both of them increase. Um, so you don't really change your your profit margin. Or you could do things that will help you scale. And what that does is it helps you increase revenue, but um or sorry, not but, but in addition to that, your profit margin stays the same, right, so therefore, your profit increases. Does that make sense
0: yeah, so on the so with growth, your revenue and your costs are increasing with scale, your revenue is increasing at a faster rate than your costs are increasing
1: correct, yeah, so like when people say increase your fees, um that is a that that's a scale strategy however just like what you said ben is it's not an exponential thing like it, there's a finite number uh, that that's there right um as far as like like looking at equity opportunities and things like that like to me that's scale and so you can partner with with uh with another company or buy into another company and take an equity ownership maybe it's like minority i do this um, where you have several of them and and it doesn't require that much of your time and resources, but the potential of revenue is quite substantial, so that's a scale thing um, you know or or uh, you know like a lot of people do this with real estate real estate is a scale thing um and so as far as like going, just kind of going to your question, I I, I just wanted to clarify that in in case people were listening, and they're like, what? Um, so as far as like characteristics, um, uh, you know, I it's kind of this is kind of a difficult question to answer. I, to, I if I had to sum it up into one word, it's gut, right? Like, what is your gut feeling about this? Uh, so like, if you're looking at an opportunity, it's like, what's your gut feeling about this? Then if it's good usually it's a good opportunity but you got to you got to support it with with numbers and data um it's like okay well what is does what the historic data look at uh behind this opportunity like if you're looking at potentially going uh becoming a minority equity partner uh with another company um and maybe you just do consulting uh which i i i do this then you got to look at okay what has the company done historically like in the last 12 months or 24 months like are they growing um like are they losing money like like what do the numbers look like so i don't know, that's that's what i kind of I, I don't know if that's a good answer to me it's gut plus
0: supported by numbers yeah an educated gut check and an educated guess ben could you could you give us like uh an example maybe of one of these questions that you have been faced with, or you anticipate being faced
2: with? Yeah, sure. So I'm at the point now where it's kind of cool, and and this is like a, I guess a mindset shift that I need to make. Where I'm actually somewhat uh, uh, desired for what I do, right? <laughs> so kind of being on the other side of that freelance hump, where for a while I thought I would, mm. you know, always just be hustling, but now I'm actually starting to be presented with more opportunities than people I have time for. People seek you for. out and and people spread the word about you and you've sort of become known for what you do. Yeah, right, which I, I know sounds ridiculous, but I, I never expected that. I, I thought I was going to make a couple thousand bucks a month um, and not ever need a real job so I could continue my saxophone career. That's what I, <laughs> yeah. that's what I initially planned on. So questions that I anticipate asking or, or being asked or things that are already coming up are, are like, essentially just because of what i do it's mainly copy and media it's more or less people who are asking me to do what i would normally get paid for on spec Hmm. but for the potential upside of like owning a percentage of that of that offer
1: wait potential or they're going to give you equity
2: oh no well there'd be like there would be equity but i guess there's two sides i actually this would be the two things where I'm, i'm not even sure right where like on the equity side of things, it would be essentially like, I don't know how to even negotiate that. What do I figure out for my percentage? The other thing would be like a profit share sort of thing where mm-hmm. it's like, hey, normally you would get charged, you know, X, Y, Z thousand dollars per month plus whatever percentage of spend or something. Right. Whereas mm-hmm. now it would be like, well, there's no fee, there's no percentage of spend, but we'll give you 10% of the offer. Yeah. Okay. Right.
1: What, yeah. What, one thing you got to be careful about this is time, Right. So, like again, this is this is like it's very similar to taking on more clients uh, because you know again that's a finite number, and and it, the only thing that changes is how you get paid. One is a fee; one, the other is an equity. Of course, like with equity, it, it you know it could it could be shit, and and you don't make any money, but. The upside is much much could be much much bigger but but if you look at that though, you still only have a finite num like amount of time to be able to work on x number of companies
2: you I know what it. i mean yeah that's that's I've never thought of it that way so it's it's really like I went from a one to a two what yep. i what I should be thinking of is how do I go from a one to a ten so like I'm essentially like I would be doing the exact same thing and having the exact same problems just looking a little bit different. So, what yeah. what are some examples then of what you consider to be like really leveraged positions? So, Obviously there's ownership and like truly like investments or whatever, but yeah, like like what do you what do you think of? This is fascinating.
1: Yeah, yeah. So like I to me it's 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 um uh, I think there's a couple ways and I'm, I'm sure Preston might have a couple ideas but like and this is something that I, it, it took me a long time to learn. <laughs> so, um, to me, it's a couple of ways. Um, one is instead of taking equity for actually actively doing the work, you, you, maybe you take a smaller amount of equity just for consulting. That's it. And so, um, a, a, an example is like, sure, you can take a 25, 25% stake. Uh, of a company, and you handle all the advertising and ad campaign management, right? The problem with that is um, it takes up all it takes up a lot of time. Um, the Obviously the upside is you get a bigger stake. However, if you were to just consult for a three to five percent stake and it only requires one hour of your time or two hours of your time a month, that, to me, and, he, and, you, and you do more of those, that, to me, is way more scalable versus ha- actively uh, doing work for companies. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, the, yeah. Other way, the other way I was thinking is you got to do the things that, that uh, don't take up your time at all and this just takes and straight up this just takes capital. So, if you can figure out how to buy in to to a certain uh, opportunity in exchange for equity, like yes, that to me that is scale because it requires zero of your time and you have the upside of okay, if this thing like takes off, then uh then you get paid on it. And so Perfect example again is real estate. You can buy in, buy a piece of real estate property, and of course, there's expenses that go with that, like managing the property and whatnot. But if somebody's paying you, you know, if you buy a piece of commercial property, um, and you're uh, you know it costs you, you know, say thousand dollars a month, but there but you're getting two thousand dollar revenue, you're netting out a thousand dollars a month with zero work, and you you can rinse and repeat that. That's why people get into real estate. Um, and the really cool thing about real estate is, and not that this is a real estate show or a real estate episode, I'm just giving you an example, is that real estate is a, you're, you're buying an asset. You're not buying a liability. And so like, if you want out, you can just sell it and get, your, you know, get at least more money or hopefully the same amount of money back. Uh, real estate, it, it uh, appreciates. It, does, it rarely depreciates. So um or like if you can figure out how to get in on a tech company that's like growing or has high potential like buy in and that way it requires zero of your work like that's that's scaling that's that's not a growth thing that's scaling
2: Cool
0: Yeah I I have a couple I have a couple thoughts that's on awesome. it and maybe before <laughs> I share what I've been cooking in my brain Ben I'd like to ask like uh you know you talked about motivations before you talked about doing things because vanity metrics or or showing off to other entrepreneurs or whatever i'm interested to know in in this ideal scenario where you said i have a team of you know 10 people or less than 10 people um small boutique agency where I mostly do the strategic work, the strategic thinking, the planning, maybe some of the client relations, but the real day-to-day work happens by my team. Am I remembering that right? Perfect. Spot on. So in this scenario, do you picture yourself... Is your ideal work scenario for you to be doing a bunch of consulting or to be doing a bunch of uh, day-to-day work for clients or to be not doing any of that? Like, what? How do, what is your workload look like? What does your lifestyle,
2: work-life balance look like in in that scenario? That's an awesome question. So what I will tell you, and this is hopefully when I listen to this recording, it's a much a memory or a reminder to myself, is what I do not want to catch myself doing is what Clay actually just kind of made me It's one of those things I'm going to take a walk after this recording and go think about it, (laughs) um, where I definitely and can kind of see myself now that you brought it up with your perspective. I'm essentially building a bigger, better version of the same problems I have now Mm. is the direction Mm -hmm. I'm going, it seems right. So I have a lot of thinking to do now in terms of what my day to day looks like. What I now will tell you, I absolutely do not want to do is the same situation where I'm in the weeds, but I'm just adding zeros to every project, right? Mm-hmm. Like that. Yeah. At a certain point, mm-hmm. um, every unit of money, the more that you get, each one becomes less and less valuable. So, uh, okay. or, you know, pr- like whatever, proportionally less valuable, right. even though yeah. I, yeah. I yeah. want a bunch of them. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Um, so what it looks like for me is I would like to be definitely still spending Call it 25% of my workday being really involved in something because I know myself, I'll be really bored. Um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I also think like if part of my strategy is like I really want to launch a YouTube, well, I am launching a YouTube channel and really want that to be big. So I know a lot of my um time is gonna be like connecting with people, content creation, and ideation. And I also think this might just be for me, but it also seems like for you guys as well, the reason why your podcast has some weight to it and actually, uh, you know, hits as the kids say, is because you all both do, you're still in the trenches in some capacity, Mm -hmm. right? Though not necessarily where you were when you started, you're still doing the thing and it gives you a lot of perspective. So I never want to leave that um, and just be some guy who talks about what worked go 10 years ago, you know, or what worked 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. So I want, say, 25, 30% of my day to be sort of that active, still growth, progression, Mm -hmm. cutting Mm -hmm. edge sort of stuff. And then the other 70%, I honestly would love it to be um, connecting with people that I really enjoy speaking with. Like, this has been an amazing conversation. This has been so much fun for me. Um, so, like, conversations like this, as well as I've realized I do a lot of my best work when I've got a lot of time to think. Yeah. And... um And that's really where I want to be is like, yes, I I still want to work hard and do the day to day thing and hustle and all that stuff, because I genuinely enjoy it. But I also want to make sure that I have a lot of time to think. And then in terms of work life balance, super, super important. I want to play music every single day. I love my uh, my dog. I want to spend as much time with him as possible. And my girlfriend, I should have probably put her first. So if you can edit that for this episode, <laughs> yeah. I would very much appreciate that. <laughs> um, and uh, and also, you know, I love uh, the uh, like being in Rhode Island as we talked about a bit, um, the beaches yeah. and everything. So yeah. there's a lot of stuff that makes me feel really, really happy that I want to make sure I do yeah. every day. Cool. <laughs> I love that. So, so let me, um, let me share a couple of ideas that
0: I've had then as we've been talking. So the idea of in, like just straight up investing in a company, uh, obviously requires a lot of capital. And I found, uh, so I have invested in a few companies, one of which I worked out for a little while. It was a tech startup and, um, it was really going places. I invested in it, um, a little ways down the road, they hit a big bump, and I got let go from that job. Still have the equity in the company, but um, but I can have zero impact on on how well the company does. Right? Uh, they don't have me consult. They don't have me work there anymore. And so, like, I just uh, I just have equity in this company that I literally can't help or support or, or anything in any way. So that so that can be really frustrating. Um, I imagine that it's
2: frustrating. Yeah, oh, especially like
0: as as a strategic thinker like you are and where you enjoy the strategy and you're talented at it, like just investing and, and not having a stake in the growth of that particular company could could potentially be frustrating. So I would just be cautious of that.
2: Thank um, you for that perspective. That's again yeah. another lesson to think about one. Mm-hmm. That's so true. Wow.
0: Yeah, for sure. And then and then on the consulting, um, I would say consulting is like can be really, really lucrative, but it can also be very difficult to scale, right? Because if if you're talking about running ad campaigns or doing any sort of web marketing or anything like that, a lot of those actions, you know, we talked earlier about hiring VAs, but also hiring other team members, a lot of those actions are very easy to outsource, very easy to pass off and delegate to a team. Um, Consulting, yes, you can build sort of a consulting empire of sorts, like a, a consulting group, right? Where you train people who you hire to consult and say what you would have said, or even people who are smarter than you in certain ways to consult your clients. But the the trouble just in my mind with consulting becomes that, like Clay said, you can only take on so many consulting clients at once and then you're you're kind of stuck in the same problem. So like um, unless you can find a way to like have your clients bring on a whole group of consultants, you can only consult for I don't know what your limit would be. Five, I, eight,
1: I would disagree uh slightly. Okay. Great. <laughs> uh I, I agree with you. I would I agree with you in the fact that like consulting sure can have you know, you can have um uh you know, only a certain number of people you can consult on one on one. Yeah, so that's that, true. That's You're right. That's the that. the the key word right there, the key phrase. Now most people consult one-on-one starting out. So let I'll just tell you like just the people that I, I hang out with that are super high elite and they're making just a shit ton of money. This is how they do it. They they build a company they're actively building it in growth mode and then they either sell that company, or they bring in somebody like a key player, give them a big chunk of equity, whether, they, whether it's sweat equity or they buy in or whatever. And they kind of sort of like, quote unquote, retire from that company. So Ben, like let's just say hypothetically, this, this agency, you have a key player that you, you either have now or you can bring on later. And this person knows how to run the company properly. They can grow it, they can run it, and they they stay in an active role. And and then you kind of just kind of step back, right? You maybe maybe you guys have an agreement where like that person gets a big chunk of equity and maybe you only take on 20% equity as a consultant. And you are no longer in the day-to-day business of that company. So now you own 20% of this company, you're getting paid 20%, and then that frees up Almost all your time to go do other things this is this is that first step so uh, they you build a, you, you actively build this company and then you kind of step out and then you move into consulting now, where most people when they start out consulting, they start out one on one but they charge you know a pretty decent fee. I think consulting is the next step up. Um, they charge a pretty decent fee and then once once you build up your consulting business. Then you go into group consulting. So what does that mean? You you are no longer consulting one on one with clients. You're consulting clients in a group setting. It could be a group of five people, ten people. I've seen it as you know as big as forty or fifty people. But like instead of uh, you know if you're charging, let's say two K a month for a one on one consultant, um, you can charge. A thousand dollars, or even eight hundred dollars a person, for a group of ten people. So you can see how this is more scalable in a, in a group
0: mm. in a group setting. And a lot of these clients will have the same problems. And so as you're helping one, you're helping everyone, yes. right? Yeah.
1: Yep. You gotta you gotta be strategic strategic in like grouping people in, in together, mm. right? That have that are in a similar place, similar problems, uh, but for the same amount of time. You can, you can make way more money uh, in consulting a group. And then there's the next level up. The next level up is high level. I hate to use the word because it's overused, but masterminds where you can, you can sell upgraded, um, like three day mastermind events where people pay. Like I'm about to do one later this year where I'm charging 10K a person and i'm going to have 10 people there i'm going to make 100k off of a 3 day event and so that's the like the high slot i've been to a i've been to um or i haven't been to it but i have a, a someone i know who charges 25k a person and they had 30 people there so you could do the math um so like that's kind of how like this process works with or this kind of a stepping stone of, of going from active to, to consulting to mastermind. And then in addition to that, they're also investing like, uh, into other companies for equity just for a consulting fee. They only cost them one hour a month. So then they got like a dozen of these companies that they do that for. Can you see where, I, can you see where I'm... Can you kind of paint this picture in your head? Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's <clears throat> moving up that that leverage leverage meter, whatever, lev- leverageometer or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. awesome. And you have to you have to think in your mind too like how much is enough for you. You know, like yeah. people talk about scale and like I they always want to scale to like these astronomical numbers like they want to make 50 million dollars a year. Like like really truly how much is enough because my number I'm super happy with, you know, with a certain number that's not an astronomical number, you right. know. Like uh, w- Preston, I think we talked about before. Uh, what's the number where where the level of happiness plateaus? Is it like eighty k a year or something? Dude, I
0: think in the, I think in the U.S., I think the latest research I've heard was sixty k. That literally your life satisfaction does not go does not change after yeah. you make more than sixty k a year,
2: which mm-hmm. is nuts. Wow. Well, yeah, my dad mentioned something about that to me. Also, guilt. it's crazy.
1: Yeah, and also you got to think about too. If you're making, I don't remember the exact number, but I think it's like right around $440,000 a year. If you're making $440,000 a year, you're in the top 1% yeah. of all people. <laughs> yep. That's not that much money. Like quite honestly, I mean, don't get me wrong. That's a lot of money. But like in the whole grand scheme of things, like, Four hundred forty thousand dollars a year. If you're making that much money, you're one. You're in the top one percent. Like a lot of people don't realize that because they always think of Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk making like billions of dollars, and you know what I mean. Like, yeah, yeah. But it only takes four hundred and forty thousand dollars a year to be in the top one percent of the uh, top one percent of earners in the entire world. And when you say it like, whenever you phrase it like that. That is not that much money.
0: Not that much money. For me, it's also about that 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 story that I I've probably said too much on the show, but it's like that uh, metaphor of the the Mexican fisherman, right? Where like he spends all day fishing and hanging out with his friends and taking a nap in the afternoon with his wife, and some businessman I'm paraphrasing comes yeah. along and says like you could be making so much more money if you just you know caught more fish, spent more time fishing, bought some bought some boats you know built a factory like he says all this stuff right because he's a businessman on vacation he sees this guy and then the Mexican fisherman says well then what would I do and he keeps asking then what then what then what and the guy finally says well then you could retire and you could hang out with your friends and take a nap with your wife and just uh you know not just work in the mornings just for a couple hours like basically what the guy's doing then and it's it's like it paints this picture of like well you know Yes, money is exciting. And yes, growing a business is exciting. Like we, all three of us, love that. But to what end? Right. And, and I think it's important to not lose sight of like, you'd like to play the saxophone more. You'd like to have more free time. I assume you'd like to have more free time with your girlfriend and your dog. See how I got that in the right order, Ben? Thank you, sir. And, Appreciate um, sex <laughs> in the mail. <laughs> uh, I, I've been married for a while. So I, so I, you know, that, that kind of thing just comes naturally. But anyway, um, <laughs> Um I think I just think it's important like as you're as you're growing to keep all those things in mind, right? And it might be that like it only makes sense to build this one business where you have a few employees and you're you're really you're like doing a boutique agency but you're making great money, you're working for cool clients and yeah, maybe you don't have equity in other people's companies but you've got all the equity or the majority equity in this really
2: cool, solid, high-performing company of your own. Yeah, that's that's a that's awesome. I love that. Yeah, totally something that I've been uh, speaking with a lot of a lot of people with lately, just in general in different sorts of conversations about the word that keeps coming up again and again is clarity, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. and I've been kind of coining a term and I, I probably stole this at some point from somebody because I don't have many good, never mind, original thoughts. But I've been coining it kind of like the North Star mindset. Mm-hmm. Like once mm-hmm. you've got that North Star. Then it creates uh, every other decision in your life becomes binary, right? It's either yes, it moves me closer, I'm going to do it, yeah. or no, it doesn't move me closer, I'm not yes, going to do 100%. it. Hundred percent. Yeah, and, um, because because I cool. think like
0: Clay, even Clay and I, we have very different pictures of of what what our ideal life looks like, uh, work and life, and, and we make different decisions. But that's not to say that like we aren't both having a blast running our businesses, and we both aren't making the kind of money that we want to be making. So like. Yeah, I just I just think it's you're right. It's important to have that clarity and and to um and then to make the decisions based on that perfect scenario as opposed to like what seems cool at the time or what other people think is a good idea. You know, someone could come along and they offer you this huge equity thing and yes, you should consider it, but if it doesn't fit into your like you say your north star plan or whatever, really you have to really really think about it.
1: Yeah, oh. this is like this is like having um uh what do you call it? Values?
2: It sounds yeah. super corny.
1: Yeah. No, um
2: non-negotiable is so important. Man. Yeah. I'm happy yeah. People I yeah. talk to, they don't talk about marketing and advertising. They talk about making their customers happy, and then they talk about what they're doing, like, like what's important to them, their values, their mission, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah.
1: Yep. That's it, it it doesn't work. Like people, like you see it all the time. Companies say, Oh, yeah, here, here's our like four values that we use in our company. And it's just like filler on a website. But yeah. like, quite honestly, whatever your values are, um, every single decision, let's just say you have four different values, every single decision that you make in your company, your career, whatever, needs to align with all four. Mm-hmm. If it only aligns with three yeah. of them, it, you got to pass on it. So that's yeah. very similar to your the North Star um, phrase.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I love that. Cause that's actually I've got a, a thing I call it um like a little framework I put together for my business that helps me is I call it the framework, like the the breakdown of it. And F is mm-hmm. foundation. And foundation is mindset, which is mission, vision, values, why, mm-hmm. and then it's mm-hmm. mastery, and then it's your habits and actions makes up that foundation. So nice. That's mm-hmm. the whole like essentially uh the same sort of concept. But yeah, man, they're they're hypercritical. And and I totally agree. Every time I've ever ignored, I think we talked about this earlier in your answer about the gut feeling. Every time I've ever ignored that, I've I've usually regretted it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That gut decision Clay was talking about is
0: often informed by your vision, right? And if you don't have a vision or a North Star or whatever you want to call it, you don't have these values, then your gut doesn't really have anything to go off of, (laughs) right? And so you can be kind of all over the place. So yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, Ben, this has been a lot of fun. I I have learned a lot of things myself in this conversation. We appreciate you taking the time to be here, man. Why don't you tell the listeners one more time where they can find you and then we'll sign off.
2: Great. Well, thanks again. This has been a fantastic time. Like I've had an amazing time. Really appreciate the opportunity. Again, the best place to connect is uh, just go to thebencommandments.com, all one word, uh, spelled exactly like the Ten Commandments, but with a B. And uh, that will put you on the daily email list. And I'll also make sure you just uh, drop me a line and and I'll make sure to send over some special goodies because uh, Preston and Clay have treated me so well. I need to make sure that I pass that along to their community. Thanks again, guys. Thanks. Oh man, I love it. Thanks so much for being here. Clay, thank you for taking time.
0: Appreciate it. For sure. Yeah, super fun. All right, take care. Freelance to Founder is produced by the team at Millo. Visit M-I-L-L-O dot C-O to level up your freelancing. And Dripify, visit getDripify.com to become a bad A in business. Freelance to Founder is also part of The Podglomerate. You can check out more amazing podcasts at thepodglomerate.com. The theme music for this show was produced by Joaquin Carud. You can catch past episodes at FreelanceToFounder.com
1: or by searching Freelance to founder in your favorite podcast player.
0: While you're at it, we'd love an honest review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: That's all for now. Until next time, see ya.